I trust you found your place in the book of Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. And I'll be reading from verse 11 down to verse number 22. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 11. The Bible says, Wherefore remember that ye, being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called on circumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh, made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes were afar off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you, which were far off, and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together goeth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an inhabitation of God through the Spirit. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for your precious word. We thank you for the great salvation that you've given, made available to all mankind. Dear Lord, I pray today that as your word goes forth, that you would use it to speak to hearts, and that if there's someone here today who has not experienced the joys of sin forgiven, that today would be the day of their salvation. Dear Lord, we are needy people, but you have made all things available because of your redemptive plan. And I pray to you, Lord, today that no one would leave this place without taking full advantage of what you have made available. Give me the words you'd have me to say. Empty me of self. Cleanse me of sin. Fill me with your precious Holy Spirit that I may preach what thus saith the Lord. And we'll be careful to thank you and praise you, give you all the honor and glory that's due your holy name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You'll be seated. Yesterday, as I was reading in the book of Proverbs, I was in chapter 15 because it coincided with the 15th day of the month, and I endeavored to read a chapter in Proverbs each and every day. And I came across a verse that I was taught at a very early age, and that is verse number one of Proverbs chapter 15. And it says, A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. Now we know that many of the verses in Proverbs are verses that compare and contrast. And there are two types of answers that can be given 
that are described in this verse, but note with me that the answers are responding to the same situation. In one case, a soft answer would accomplish the result of turning away wrath. The same answer. But an answer to that statement would turn away wrath. It's not talking here about the loudness of one's voice. But it's talking about the mode and the motive and the spirit behind what is said. On contrast, or in contrast rather, another type of answer to this same statement would stir up anger. It says grievous words. Words that are meant to injure. Words that are meant to harm would achieve a completely different result in stirring up anger. I highlight this verse because it indicates and demonstrates to us the importance of response in determining the outcome of a situation. It compares and contrasts and shows how you can have completely different results simply based on a different response. We've been examining this matter of response in relation to spiritual warfare and the spiritual war which we understand by now is raging. But I want to submit to us today that there is no greater response that has ever been given in all of human history than the response of Almighty God to the problem of sin. This problem of sin originated when Satan being cast out of heaven after rebelling against God ushered in the reality of sin. This started, my friend, a spiritual war. He then tempted Adam and Eve, rather, in the garden, and that resulted in both her and Adam disobeying God and plunging humanity into sin. But thank God the story does not end there. Thank God that his response to this uh, vice of sin was one that has altered the course of history. We've been examining the response of Almighty God to Satan's rebellion. And we've looked thus far at the attributes of God. Why did we examine the attributes of God? Because when we examine the attributes of God, we better understand why God has responded in the way in which he has. For consideration, we looked at God's holiness, God's righteousness, God's justice, and his love. And then we sought to examine not only the attributes of God, but the actions of God. We saw that God responds with righteous anger. Anger that is justified. Anger that is void and free of sin. We saw as well that God, because of his justice, requires atonement. God could not just turn a blind eye to what has taken place. Why? Because he is a just God. And he required 
a sacrifice for this sin because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. But thank God for the redemptive work of Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross. Because of what he did, thank God that the same God who man sinned against is the same God who redeemed the alienated. What a response. Thank God for his love. Thank God for his grace. Thank God for his mercy. We've seen the attributes of God, the actions of God. But today, I want us to be encouraged and to be comforted that because of the attributes of God, which God could not deny, God could not alienate himself from because that's who he is. And he responded because of his attributes with a particular action. But today, my friend, be encouraged that because of the actions of God, we now have accessibility to God. Accessibility. Don't take that for granted. When we think of access, we can think of physical access. If you have no keys to a room, you don't have access to that room. You might be driving on the road and you have to turn around and take a detour, detour because the road is blocked. You have no access to enter. Sometimes you might be in a building with an elevator and your access can only allow you to stop at certain floors because you've been barred from accessing certain floors. We understand in this technological age not having access to certain web pages, certain folders on the computer, digital access. You might be opening an account, but you don't have access to certain places. Why? To maintain proper security. My friend, thank God that because of God's work on Calvary, you and I can have access to him. You see, my friend, the reason why this is such a big deal is because without access to God, we were doomed to sin. It's only in him that we can escape the problem of sin. In him is life, and he is the source of life itself. So to be able to access God is to be able to access life when we were doomed to devastation and sin and death. That's a big deal. And so I want us to see this morning briefly a number of important considerations when we think about what does accessibility to God really mean? What does it entail? What has it provided for us that we oftentimes take for granted? When I look around and I see how people treat the fact that they are born-again believer, it makes me come to a conclusion that maybe it is that we're not fully aware 
of what we have in Christ by way of accessibility to God. You know that it's possible to have benefits that you didn't realize you had? Do you know that by virtue, and I'm not telling you to um, go and spend unwisely, but do you know that because of all the fine print that's written on credit card contracts, there are lots of benefits that oftentimes we don't access because they write the font so small that you'll never know that maybe if you were traveling and you got into an accident that you don't have to pay. You have some built-in insurance by way of that credit card, but they won't want you to find out because the benefits are, they don't want to release the benefits to you. But thank God, my friend, there are some benefits by way of salvation and this accessibility that God has made them available. And guess what? He wants you to have them. So let's touch on these this morning. Notice with me, first of all, the benefit of relationship relationship. Understand that we were out of touch with God. There was a barrier. There was what the Bible refers to as enmity. Now to break this down, think of if you are in a relationship with a person. It doesn't have to be romantic. It could be a a parent. It could be a parent-child. It could be a brother-sister. It can be a friend. It can be a loved one. Whatever it is. But something happens in that relationship that causes you to get upset. And the relationship is immediately affected. You pass each other and pretend they're not there. You don't call them as much as you did before. As a matter of fact, you don't want to call them. Why? You can feel the tension. You can feel the enmity. You're at odds with a person who you had a a great relationship with. There was a blocking of the fellowship. Understand, my friend, because of mankind's sin... There was enmity. There was tension. In fact, mankind hated God. Mankind rebelled against God. And just as in a relationship where there's been a breach, where there's been uh, an offense, it does not uh, restore automatically. Similarly, in this breach with Almighty God, reconciliation did not and would not happen automatically. This bond that was broken had to be restored. But when Jesus went to Calvary's cross and he shed his precious blood and he said it is finished. Listen, the price had been paid. He paid the price with his very own blood providing the atonement. No, there could be interaction. No, there could be reconciliation. No, there could be fellowship. My friends, this, this, this accessibility that we have to God now allows us to have, uh, as human beings, a relationship with God. Thank God for the blood of Jesus Christ. A relationship with God. Look with me. What the Bible describes this. Look at verse number 13 that we read. Look, it says, But now in Christ Jesus, ye who were what? Sometimes were 
past tense. Afar off are made nigh. We are now close by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of partition between us. That's the barrier that we could not remove on our own. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity even the law of commandments containing all enunces, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile, look at that word again, both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you, which were far off, and to them that were nigh, for through him we both have what? Access by one spirit unto the Father. My friend, be encouraged and excited that we who are so undeserving now have the opportunity and the privilege to have a relationship with God. Access brought about a relationship. Reconciliation. Doesn't it feel good when, as we say, you and somebody, you all fell out? Doesn't it feel good when you all are back good again? There's no greater relationship to be restored than the one between God and man. And God made that available through his son. And so, access to this God has brought about a relationship. But notice secondly, because of this access and because of this relationship, get a hold of this, you and I have some rights. Amen? Amen. We got some rights. Now, let me help you understand this matter of rights. Because sometimes in life, we don't know our rights and when we don't know our rights people can take advantage of us and we can lose out on some benefits that were always there because you don't know your rights let me use the illustration of being a citizen and when you're not a citizen of a country and especially you recognize this when you live there may you deal with all kinds of inconveniences you got to worry about your visa expired. You got to worry about work permits. You got to worry about not being eligible for certain programs and offers and benefits and higher fees for, for, for benefits and programs. But when you become a citizen, when you get a, a, a passport, when you get that certificate of naturalization, all of that changes. You're coming at the airport. And you pull out your passport. And you give it to the immigration officer. And you tell him, you ain't going to ask me how long I'm staying this time or not. You ain't going to ask me where I'm staying. And who I'm staying with. And what I plan to do. I am a citizen. And if you ask me those questions, you pass your place. You are a citizen of that country. It provides some security. 
There are some benefits that go along with being a citizen. You have access to privileges. But my friend, look at what the Bible says in verse number 19. Because of this access, because of this relationship, it says, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. My friend, that opens up some rights that you have. You don't have to beg. It is owned to you. Some rights and privileges. They go along with your citizenship. You are a citizen of heaven. If you have accessibility because of your salvation. I understand it too. Because I have lived in Nevis all my days. And I know what it is to fill out a million farms. You're tired of filling out farms. You're tired of paying fees. But when you get that passport, you're done with all that. We have some rights through Jesus Christ, my friend. That's why accessibility is an exciting thing, my friend. But here's something else we got to understand. It's great to have a restored relationship. It's great to have rights. But along with rights, jot this down, come some responsibilities. You see, it's great to enjoy the benefits. But oftentimes, we don't want to embrace the responsibilities. You see, as a responsible citizen, you ought to pay your taxes. You ought to obey the law. You ought to be patriotic. You ought to respect authority. If you don't, then you are in fact dishonoring your citizenship. Do you know that one of the worst crimes to commit is the act of treason? You know what treason? Treason is intentionally endeavoring to undermine your own country by violating your pledge of allegiance to that country of which you are a citizen. That's considered a serious and shameful act. Why? It goes against the meaning of citizenship itself. But notice what the Bible says, because we are now fellow citizens and of the household of God. It says in verse number 20, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Understand that we now have a responsibility. We are being built not on our own righteousness but on that of Jesus Christ. As a result him being the chief cornerstone he has the authority to establish what we should be doing. He has to establish the ability and the authority to establish how we should be doing it. That's why we are not our own. We are bought with a price. 
Therefore, we are to honor and glorify God with our bodies. Notice what the Bible says. I love this word inserted in here. In verse number 21. Fit, framely together, growing, groweth unto a what kind of temple? A holy temple in the Lord. You know, you know what that, that, that is indicating? And in verse number 22, it says, build it together for an habitation of God. You know why we got to be holy? Well, we have a responsibility and an obligation because now, because of the access, because of the, the, the relationship, because of the rights, this God of the universe now comes to live inside of us. Listen, we are to keep where we are and where God dwells clean. We are to keep it. Can you imagine if you cleaned your house from top to bottom and then you invited some guests to come over and they know that they got mud on their shoes and mud all over and they're just walking like they couldn't care less and just mess up the whole house with mud. You would not be happy. No way, no how. So when it comes to Almighty God, my friend, understand that this habitation of God ought to be clean. Amen? It's a responsibility for be holy as I am holy. Now, we don't have time for all these verses, but if you read chapter 3, which of course is a continuation from chapter 2. This is one letter that Paul is writing, and when he wrote it, he had no chapters there, but they're there for our, our being able to address and get to certain locations quickly. But Paul, notice the transition in verse number 3, in chapter 3, verse 1 rather. He says, for this cause... I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, if ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given me to you, word, and he goes on, he's saying, as a result of me being a citizen, as a result of the privileges, as a result of the relationship, as a result of the rights, I now have an obligation to serve this God with every fiber within me. That's why he said in verse number 7, Whereof I was made a minister. It is because of this accessibility. It's because of these rights. It's because of this relationship. According to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Paul says, I don't have these benefits for naught. I got rights and privileges, but I have a great responsibility, a burden that's upon me to do what God has called me to do. Accessibility is a beautiful thing. It has brought about a relationship. It gives us some amazing rights. We have some responsibilities, but notice, fourthly, this wonderful benefit of reliance. When a citizen is away from their country, they access benefits relying on their home country by way of what we understand to be an embassy. Citizens rely on what's happening there and through the government in time of disaster. A time of difficulty. They get assistance at that embassy because of their citizenship. My friend, because of our citizenship in heaven, we can depend on God for our needs, for our direction, for strength. 
Look at what Paul says in verse number 12. It's amazing and beautiful how, how this all goes together. It's not disconnected. Look in verse number 12. Look at what Paul says. Still continuing the thought of this accessibility. In whom we have what? Boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. Paul says, look at this. Wherefore, I desire that ye faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. Paul says, I'm going through some difficulties. You are going through difficulties because you are concerned about my well-being. But he says, listen, because of my position in Christ, don't stress. Don't lose hope. God is able. You can access what he has because you are part of the same household. That's why in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16 it says, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Reliance. We don't have to figure out everything on our own. Why? Because of the accessibility that we have to God. Notice finally the benefit of rest. You know, when you actually access the fact that God is able, you embrace the benefit that you can rely on God to do for us that which we cannot do for ourselves. You know what that brings about? Peace. God, I can't figure this out. I was not designed to figure this out. I neither have the intellect, the wisdom, the strength, the understanding to do anything about this. But because you are my father, because I'm a citizen of heaven, because of my access to some benefits, some rights, some privileges, and I'm going to rely on you, I am going to rest in you. We got to rest in God, my friend. Now look at how all of this is connected. Listen, brethren, we got to read our Bibles if we're going to be encouraged in this difficult day and age in which we live. Look at how Paul ends chapter 3 in verse number 20 after expounding on this matter of this access that we have to God. Paul, listen, he exclaims and he's pretty much here saying, listen, I am not fretting. I am not worrying. I am not stressing. I ain't got no time for that. He says no unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages world without end. Amen. Full stop. Paul says, I'm not taking on all this. That's not for me. And notice what he says there in that verse. God is able to exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think. That's indisputable. But notice the next part. That's our responsibility. According to the power that worketh in us. According means that it is dependent on how much we let that power work in us. 
that's going to determine how much gets done. So sometimes we look at situation and say, God, you didn't do anything. He says, it's according to the power that works in us. So the more power you let work in you, the more things you see accomplished. But Paul says, I'm going to rest because I have accessibility that I didn't have before. I'm not a foreigner. I'm a barnia. And just in case you think that that is not accessible, that is not appropriate, go to, J, to, to John's Gospel, chapter 3, and Jesus said to Nicodemus, ye must be what? Born again. So if you are in Christ, you are a born. Amen? Because ye must be what? Born again. Embrace the privileges. But embrace the responsibilities. Rely on God so that you can rest in him.